welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I am your host and it's time for another monthly book chat. And this month we've got a little bit of a uh, a personal session where it's just me and Emma. We're going to be rapping. So welcome to the show, Emma. Oh, I am so excited for rapping. I had no idea this was going to be on the cards, but I am here for it and I am ready. <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine if we actually just broke out in song? I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think we should put that out of the picture for options for this podcast it's just both of us we can bounce back and forth spit some rhymes <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah well I don't know about that but I spare the poor lovely listeners having to uh, endure my uh, attempts at rapping but Emma how have you been I am good I'm very good in fact I've been very lucky recently to have received quite a few advanced reading copies from our wonderful publishing partners of the Big Kids Book Club, um, which I must admit, I feel very smug reading, knowing that I am reading them ahead of a lot of other people. Um, but it also, it's also kind of a, a, a bittersweet moment because I've, I've read this, ama- these amazing books, and I'm like, oh my god, I just want to talk to everybody about them. And I can't say anything because they're not out yet. Um, but it's been piling up my TBR list. And what a beautiful beautiful problem to have as too many books to read and not enough time I mean that is the entirety of the reader's conundrum oh if only if only there was more time that's why I mean I'm pretty sure that's why the sort of like the time turner was invented just because it's the most bookish sort of magical object out there would you use it to like save the day now I'm going to go back in time so I actually have time to read my TBR that's why you'd invent it simple I mean that's basically Hermione though isn't it she uses it to go back in time to study so she is reading books pretty much pretty much of course uh we have been reading some amazing books uh but we're actually here to talk about books that hit us in a different way not in the TBRs but in the heartstrings yes because February has just disappeared and February the first thing we think of is of course romance and Valentine's Day so we're talking about books we fell in love with Oh, make us all go gooey and mushy. So it's a nice, simple, easy one because it's just me and you, Emma, chatting. So um, I think it's kind of interesting if we just talk about what really makes us, like what can a book do that will make us fall head over heels? Are there some tropes that you're just absolutely gaga for? Yes and no, which I realise is probably the most dull answer I could possibly give. So I will expand on said answer. Um, Yes, in that I'm kind of a traditionalist in that I do like uh, kind of a happily ever after, um, particularly in kind of the middle grade YA uh, genres. I think it's important for the audiences reading those books to understand that there is optimism and then there is that hope in the world. But at the same time, I think because sometimes I go into a book expecting that, it completely catches me off guard when it just takes a tangent and goes in a different direction. And I had that recently, um, actually, with a book called Ellie Pili is Brown, which we are going to be hearing about a little bit in some coming months. And there was a plot twist 
uh, towards probably three quarters of the way through the book that I had not seen any signs for just because I was so involved with the with the kind of primary character and this twist happens to a slightly secondary character and then when it happened it was just like all of these light bulbs went off and I was like oh it makes so much sense and I love that it's different so yeah I think I've spoken about it before where particularly in the YA genre there are a lot of authors um, going back to the traditional tropes and revamping them either with a character being of the opposite sex this time around or having a different uh, sexual orientation or being from a different um, ethnic background. And I think that is not only really important from a representation point of view, but it also adds an entirely new spin and perspective on these stories that we already know and already love. Yeah, that's actually quite interesting you said that because Obviously, that sort of spin, I've just literally, we just released episode 100. Ooh. Say what? Say what? Uh, and in that, we're talking about The Hatmakers by Tamsin Merchant. And in that, she actually, there's a, obviously, it's set in sort of Georgian England, Georgian London. And at one point, they go to the Royal Palace. And instead of like uh, being Mad King George, and he's like being, the, the country's being ruled by his uh, son, the next King George, which I think was number four. Instead, they've changed it. So it's a Princess Georgina, because obviously for the character uh, we sort of follow, Cordelia, she finds it a lot easier to connect with the princess. So obviously they just went, not Prince George, it's Princess Georgina. Boom, bang. I really like that because it then allows you to just be like, it sort of distances you from the fact that this is a historical uh, fiction, but more it's a historical magical realism so you sort of go and you just you just play around with bits and pieces because really you know history is is what we make it and you know there's so many times where you like the what's it called the the saying history is written by the winners so why not you know by the dreamers and they just put our own sort of little spin on it I do love that I must admit I also love when characters are just taken from like that ordinary into the extraordinary I am a sucker for any time you introduce me to a world behind our own Absolutely. I've just finished reading Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Alston. And oh, that's good. And effectively, what it is, is there's a Bureau of Supernatural Investigations. Basically, it's a, a men in black, but instead of aliens, it's things that go bump in the night. And it's brilliant. So any it's anytime you have the secret society or the shadow agency or organization that you've got to be part of, that is actually behind the scenes of the real world, air quotations for no one who can see them because it's audio, real world <laughs> it basically creates this whole other level because normally you've got a character who has no idea it's just found out about them so because as they discover this weird funky new world you get to discover it too and that's probably one of my easiest ways to be like i'm in love that that sounds amazing yeah absolutely and what about if we look at characters now obviously uh, a little bit delved into tropes there but what about a character it might be someone who becomes the book boyfriend, the book girlfriend. It could be someone who just tugs at your heartstrings, the imaginary best friend. We've all read a book character and be like, I wish they were real and my best friend because they're amazing. Is there anyone uh, that you have in a particular book that you're like, that person is my ex or uh, uh, not, not your ex. That'd be awesome if they were your ex. No, it wouldn't be awesome if they were your ex. I'm rambling now, but if they were your why? Let's use that one instead. Different letter. Um, <laughs> uh, and why is it that you find them so intriguing, so interesting, so captivating? Goodness, that is quite the question. Um, it is. 
I feel very put on the spot. I must admit. It's, it's because you're here all on your own. You see, there's no way to deflect it to Laura or Rab. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, okay, here we go. Step into the limelight. I mean, the first the first person that comes to mind for me is Tris from the Divergent series. I realize that a lot of people have a few issues with her as a character, and I do understand that. But at the age that I was reading Divergent, at the age that I found it, Tris was just exactly who I wanted to be. She had come from quite kind of a, a sheltered um, home from the faction that she was in. And she just wanted to be more. She wanted to be fun. She wanted to be, you know, more than more than one thing. That's that's a lot of the premise of the Divergent um, series. And I think that realization in those teenage years that you can be kind and cool, or you can be mean and understanding. It's that kind of duplicity of personality traits and that realization that you can exist in, in, as more than one thing is really important. Um, I've never actually thought about it like that until I've just verbalized it. So I'm, I'm quite impressed with that, to be honest. Um, I, I do also really like that she she is one of those kind of heroines that we had around that time, like around when Katniss was um, first introduced from the Hunger Games. And I think it was just a big movement for the female character in YA in that um, kind of space. And also just that that she she doesn't take crap from anyone. There's one line that is repeated multiple times throughout the book and that they then put into into the film where she's going around with a gun and people keep saying, you're not going to shoot me. And her response is, why do people keep saying that? And then she shoots them. And it's just that growth from innocent, shy girl to independent, powerful, autonomous character. And that arc, which I very much needed as a teenage girl at that age, uh, I just think she would be a great person to go kind of pal around with and hang out with and just run around and wreak havoc, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I often find, obviously, because so many of my books that I read, obviously, are sort of more based on middle grade. So my my most thing is I find so many best friends. I'm like, oh, my God, I would love that person as best friend. Like, often they are, let's face it, the goofy side characters are often the ones that sort of really sort of grab my attention. But there are also people who I think I can almost, I almost wish I was. And it's almost a case of that. We were chatting uh, about this beforehand. And I think we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on. But recently, I've only just recently discovered the Alex Ryder ones. But I'm like, if I was a teenage boy, Alex Ryder is probably the most badass because he is like so cool. And it's the fact that dude doesn't want to be amazingly awesome, but he just is. And it's always that sort of wish fulfillment. I mean, I can definitely see myself if I was going back to a time and I would have actually been 14 when it came out, actually, 2004. Oh, yeah. Yes, I would have been. So <laughs> I would have been right in the demographic, the same age as Alex Ryder. So I could definitely see myself being like, yeah, I'm Alex Ryder. So it's a shame I didn't find them when I was a teenager because they would have been really good. But I mean, to be fair, when I was uh, as a teenager, what I I'd, I'd found my love for and what kept me reading, which has allowed me to then go back to the sort of more written prose was I found manga and obviously manga like one of the big one was Ichigo from Blade like he was like the one that I was just like yes man amazing I'm just like I just want to go around just kicking ass and not killing hollows well I guess they do kill hollows but they they typically they uh they send their souls back to the soul society to to live nice happy lives so it's they cleanse I think is what they say they cleanse hollows um and that's where I that's where I would have wanted to be 
as a teenager, sit in some badass manga slash anime, probably killing demons and, and being generally a teenager with attitude, like the like the good old uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Teenagers with attitude. That's what I've always wanted to be. I think I still I mean, am. Maybe. Why would why would anybody not want to be a teenager with attitude, especially when you've got all those special powers to call on? Would be awesome. I'm still waiting for my letter to Hogwarts, but you know. Ah, uh, it's fine. It's, fine. We, we all, it's interesting we... that you mention manga, though, because I'm actually going to be talking about a graphic novel uh, later on in our podcast today. And I've actually only discovered those in literally the past few weeks as a 25 year old, as a, as a very big kid, but they are just a whole new kind of format and genre that, again, I, I kind of did a little bit of the comics thing when I was younger, because I quite like DC and Marvel and Star mm. Wars and all that. But just going around like Waterstones and a few other bookstores, seeing graphic novels for like The Great Gatsby and Jane Eyre yeah. and things I would never have expected to have graphic novels is, I mean, that's an entirely new conversation. Um, So I won't, I won't uh, digress too much, but I thought it was interesting that you you brought up manga just now. Yeah, it's honestly what kept me going, kept me going. And a big one there, actually, to be fair, is Lord of the Rings. I've never read Lord of the Rings in book form. I have read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, both as graphic novels. So uh, they can do wonders. They can do wonders, especially for those who, who need that format. And you can say, like, you're still reading. Hell yes, you're still reading. So uh, there's lots of things to fall in love with reading. And I think that's the thing. People think books. You could be falling in love with comic books, graphic novels, and still you are falling in love with characters just the same as if they were words on the page. So it's it's one of those things. I think it's lovely. It's the same as listening to audiobooks, that whole conversation, like audiobooks aren't reading. I think you'll find they are. <laughs> Snooty book snobs. You can, uh, you can hoist yourself on your own petard there because they definitely count. But we're not here to talk about whether they count or not. We're talking about what tugs at our heartstrings. So I think it's time we're going to talk about some actual books. Yes, we teased a little bit about what what sort of tropes and what sort of things make us fall in love. But sometimes it could just be everything coming together, characters, plot, setting. Um, it could be just it was a book we read at the right part of our life. Uh, and it's therefore found a place in our heart forever, our little forever home. And it's sitting there and that is why these books are what they are now we did sort of before the podcast sort of chop them up into like little subsections just to make our life a little bit easier so uh the first thing we're going to talk about is uh middle grade because we do talk a lot of middle grade on the podcast being big kids that we are and one middle grade book that i absolutely fell in love with really got me back into the whole middle grade isn't just for kids it's something that i really want to do and really helped kickstart this whole malarkey so you have this to blame i'm you know just saying and that is the last kids on earth by mac bralia i've i've probably talked about this oh it's had at least four or five appearances on the podcast because damn i love this and we talk about um graphic novels this thing is heavily illustrated and it helps it is like 180 pages the first book they get bigger <laughs> obviously as the plot thickens but it is 180 pages you have jack sullivan the most 13 year old protagonist who basically eats junk food and fights monsters and zombies in his treehouse at the end of the world pretty much what more do you want he hangs out with his friends and they basically have a blast because they're the last kids on earth pretty much and so it's one of those ones i think it works really well because of the depth of the story told in a way that matches up words and pictures 
it makes it so accessible. And for me, coming back into it, it blew my mind thinking, oh, so this is where middle grade's going, or this is what, what middle grade offers someone. And when I was reading this to my son, we could then sit and read and also see the pictures and the stories would just fly by and the pages would just turn. And I think really, I now have every single book. It's one of the few books I have pre-ordered. I don't pre-order much stuff. And actually the last one of this, the last two of these, I have pre-ordered. And it's just been like, oh, damn, I know I must really love this series because I don't do that for any other series. But I have pre-ordered the last two Last Kids on Earth. So uh, that is my middle grade book I have fallen in love with, The Last Kids on Earth. What about you, Emma? What is a book in the middle grade you've fallen in love with? So I've kind of chosen a trilogy slash chronicles for this, but it's actually a series of books that I have not thought about in the longest time. So my summary will not be very in-depth, but it is The Edge Chronicles um, by Chris Riddell and Paul Stewart. Uh, the first of which I read uh, was called Curse of the Gloam Glozer, um, which came out in 2001, um, which I definitely didn't read when it was first published because I was five at the time, but I'm pretty sure I got to it fairly soon after that. And just kind of having a, a look back, the the way that the chronicles are published is not at all in chronological order um and there are actually 18 of them now which i had not realized um which is quite the impressive amount but back to curse of the clone the gloam glozer um it centers around quint whose uh father is a sky pirate and Quint becomes an assistant to this gentleman named Linus, who essentially has some kind of mysterious uh, relationship or goes goes back and forth visiting this monster, which we then find out is the Gloam Glozer. And reading back the synopsis, I'm, I cannot even try to explain it to you because it is so complex and so in-depth. And there are so many different sub-stories going on in this book, which I think is why it held my attention so well at that age. But I'm also quite impressed at the fact that it's, it is a middle grade, very much a middle grade book. There are illustrations within it. It's 438 pages long, so it is quite a big boy. And still the ability to kind of hold my attention at that age throughout that complex story for that length of story is just a kind of a testament to how how well written it is and how well illustrated it is and how engaging it is but again kind of similar kind of theme there that it's you know this 14 year old who is given this quote unquote air quotes quest that me as a younger person would have thought oh my gosh that would have been amazing like this is so cool that he's got these experiences that his dad is a sky pirate that he's got this assistantship with this man who has a secret monster um all just very engaging and I think the fact that it was it's kind of divided in in a similar ish way to Star Wars so there's kind of trilogies for each uh kind of characters and I think the fact that there was a continuation of this book definitely kept me reading because I wanted to see what happened next um and if if that wasn't in place for me if the if the next read wasn't that obvious um then maybe maybe I, it wouldn't have stuck as well so I think that's that's also a very key point for kind of fiction of of this uh, audience um is to have that very obvious next step so that the once the attention is captured it's maintained yeah absolutely middle grade 
it's such a transitional time. But it's also that time where you really, sometimes you'll either grab readers for life or sometimes that's where you might lose them. So having engaging in different types of middle grade with different sort of stories, sort of different sort of representation within them as our characters and, you know, what the sort of journeys and life lessons that might be intermingled amongst the sort of like plots and pages yeah, that's why it's going to be important because they, that's where you grab them and then they move on to slightly more, I mean, say chunkier stuff. But obviously, I know I know the Edge Chronicles are heavily illustrated. So you've probably got 100 pages of illustration there, really. But you do, you then move on up and you start to look for newer stories with maybe um, deeper, sometimes darker meanings and, and sort of subjects and genres. And so that what, that's what takes us to the world of a young adult why. A. Now this, I say YA, it's that natural progression. I mean, so many people read YA and then it's almost, they never, never need anything else. They're happy, content. Emma putting her hand up there. It is, I feel it's definitely uh, personally victimized by this comment. It's not. It's sometimes people just find their lane and they want to stick in it. Well, guess what? The publishing industry has realized that that lane is very heavily populated with people who want to have stories that don't have to go down into the literary depths and absolutely sort of clog them up with this beautiful over-speaking prose but instead I just want a great character on an amazing story and I want it to wrap up in about 400 pages please sprinkle in a little bit of a juicy romance sprinkle in a bit of intrigue plot murder mystery whatever it is your you know uh, whatever sprinkles you want on top but it's that sort of package they want and that is why YA I think has stuck around as the sort of like, I guess it started off as a marketing genre, but now it almost has become, I know it's not technically a genre because there's different genres. Again, more air quotes. Lots of air quotes in this, in this episode today. Whew. I almost wanted to use a very, very poor, almost tropish YA quote there and just be like, I didn't even, <laughs> I let out the air quote I didn't know I was holding. <laughs> oh, that is very YA. That's You're very not YA. Wrong. It is very YA. So I YA. applaud you for catching yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Please stop it. Stop it. Um, but that is why I think YA has become bigger and better. And actually, you find that you have more diversity and sort of you can find your subgenre. You can find your interest in YA now, whereas I think it used to just be very heavily YA was very much a fantasy subsection or maybe contemporary subsection is now expanded. It's got a bit better. So what are the, the reasons we fall in love with YA? Uh, maybe it's because these books helped us. Uh, I will start us off because mine is the cheesiest of cheesy books, um, at least for our conversation, because mine is another one I've ch- chatted about because uh, I'm cheating using books I've already chatted about. That's Rebel of the Sands by Owen Hamilton. Uh, and the reason why this is super cheesy, because we're now on, I don't know uh, when I release this, we're going to be on like episode 102, 103 by the time this comes out. So you might not have heard maybe like episode 20 or something like yonks back when I discussed why this book was so special, especially for me and Emma, because um, it is this book, this copy I'm actually holding in my hands. Sounds so good. This copy that is now signed. Thanks to getting to uh, chat to Alwyn herself. This was a copy given to me by Emma because I got into uh, YA. I can't remember what I was reading, uh, but I was like, I think I might like this YA malarkey. Uh, at least I'm going to give it a try. And Emma said, oh, my God, you should read this if you like YA. She doesn't sound like that. We know because she's actually on this podcast. I don't, with me. but in fairness, 
I get that excited about this book that if I was ever going to sound like that, it would be in this context. Okay, perfectly. So you should read this book here, Rebel of the Sands. I said, like, oh, cool. I'll look for that in the um, the library sometime. And she she went, don't worry, I've got you a copy. And just put it in my hands. And, and then... The okay, I feel is... like we can drop the voice now. <laughs> really? You sure? Okay, Emma. Um, so <laughs> that is all what they say is history since. What is it about? Uh, well... I mean, we've actually had an entire episode dedicated to chatting to Alwyn where me and Emma sort of fangirled for about an hour and a half and then an extra hour afterwards with Alwyn. So I feel like you should probably go and listen to that. I, I don't feel like we need to explain more, but it's a very special book. This copy is very special. And so that is why it holds a place in my heart. Done. Done. Right. Cheese over. Emma, bring some normality back to this podcast, please, for God's sake. <laughs> I will do my very best. I have decided not to cheat as much as I would like to do that, although I have already referenced Divergent and I can't even think how many times I will have mentioned Divergent on the podcast <laughs> yeah. since its inception. It's probably mounting up now. So in fairness, I'm, uh, I, I feel like we're even. But I have picked once again uh, a, a kind of not it's not called a Chronicles, but very much a series of books. And these are probably kind of I wouldn't say they were YA per se but then I wouldn't necessarily class them as middle grade I'd say they were kind of like a transition-y series to kind of move you through and it's the Alex Ryder series by Anthony Horowitz which now looking at it I realized that the most recent book of this series was published in 2020 uh, and apparently uh, Horowitz is looking to release yet another one and the first book Stormbreaker was published in I was incorrect when I said 2004 earlier. It was actually in 2000. Um, oh, my God. So they're even older, which is mad. So the reason I've picked this series is, again, it was something that when I read Stormbreaker, I was like, right, I know there's another one coming out next year. Point Blank was published the year after. Skeleton Key was published the year after. And again, this continuation of kind of books and building that kind of reading list for myself, I think really gave me a good sense of direction as I got into my teenage years. And other than that, I mean, it's again, it's kind of like how you said with, um, is it kids at the end of the world? The last kids on earth. The last kids on earth. Sorry, I butchered that title completely. But again, you know, Alex Ryder, he is 14 13 he gets recruited by mi6 he goes on this amazing mission which is obviously you know scary because there's villains and there's threats but at the same time you know he's got it he can you know he can take care of himself he does all of these martial arts and he's he can ski and he's good with parkour and all this stuff and i was very much a tomboy growing up and i just thought that is the coolest thing ever and again unfortunately at that time there wasn't a lot of fiction that depicted female characters doing this. So that was the closest I could get to what I wanted to, um, what I wanted to, well, what I wanted to do in, in my spare time, essentially. And I can even remember Archangel, which is the uh, oh, one, one, two, three, the sixth um, installment in the series came out in 2005. I remember finding the nicest hardback edition of that for my best friend for her birthday. So not only did I love this series, I dragged her into it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so Again, it's it's something that I loved and I then shared with somebody who I loved. And yeah, it was that first kind of taste of exciting adventure, but in a slightly more real sense, because the Edge Chronicles is very much fantasy, whereas this, 
albeit is not quote unquote realistic, having it based off of a kind of teenage schoolboy recruited by a legitimate organization to face legitimate, well, I say legitimate, more realistic threats than perhaps a, a monster lurking in a moon. But yeah, no, this this is a great series. Um, and if you have a kid or you have a nephew or somebody looking for a gift for this is the perfect um, place to start for that transition up into the YA genre. Yeah, it's that weird, isn't it? That weird section of old middle grade, young, young adult. Uh, and it sort of hits that quite perfectly. And it's, you know, Alex Riley is doing really well. Like you said, the, the, the latest novels just come out. The reboot, obviously, we're not going to talk about the movie. The movie did not happen. It can't hurt us. Uh, it's, it's a case of the, the reboot on the TV series that's come out. I can't remember where it's come out. Is it like Amazon Prime or something? It's one of those ones. It's not Netflix. I think it's Prime, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has been really well received. And so I think now, is it going on to like a third season? They had season one and season two. Now they're getting a third season out of it? I'm pretty sure I did see that. Yes, um, I can double check that if you would like, but I am fairly certain that was the case. No, it's it's definitely, it's, I think it just, it hits that sort of itch. It's the fact it is, like I said, it's awesome enough that I think kids will watch it, families will watch it, and Alex Ryder just scratches the, because it is in our world, it's just MI6, we know MI6, and we we understand the whole sort of like evil people in the world trying to do evil things, which is basically what Alex Ryder just has to deal with. People just, bad guys doing bad things. It's the James Bond effect, isn't it? I don't know why we all love a bit of James Bond. And he's just, he's That's a, exactly it. He's the 14 year old James Bond. Although they're a great series actually as well. The young James Bond series, the ones done by Charlie Higson and then now Steve Cole. Mm. Yep. The young Bond series is definitely a win. Yeah, that's a good one. There's a good one. Ah, so many options, but yeah, it is. It's a difficult one. And I'm glad you did um, touch upon that. There is that sort of, again, I mentioned how middle grade, it can lose people. And I think that is a, quite a nasty pitfall when you get to I'm too old to be reading middle grade but really you're not really digging or you're not connecting with maybe some of the themes of true young adults you need something in that 14 to 16 range and Alex Ryder with the amount of sort of kick-ass yet you know sort of uh, he's still going through the fact that you know uh, he is a 14 year old boy just trying to actually get on with his life trying to have friends trying to go to school oh great there's another guy who's trying to take over the world and mi6 is trying to recruit me okay sure i'll go kick his ass ah oh, fine it's all good so uh yeah there's a lot to fall in love with but we are quickly moving along uh moving along our love list and we've got to my third and final book now this category we didn't have a specific age range for this we've obviously done middle grade and ya which is our forte as big kids book club but sometimes you find a book that doesn't fall into those categories or it's a book that is outside of those norms because you know sometimes we like to read not just middle grade and young adult here you know <gasps> i know shock horror but this book i read while i was doing reading manga and stuff like that this book almost made me just come straight back into the full book reading world it is a book i've read probably five times my copy is absolutely tatty as hell because it's creased it's thumbed through it's loved and that is the lies of Locke lamora and this is an adult fantasy about a thief true anti-hero the guy does not care a you know a fig about anybody else except for some of the other people in his gang he is there to rob you to cheat from you to steal from you 
And as long as he and his friends are coming out on top, he doesn't care who he hurts or what he has to do to get the job done. And it is, frankly, amazeballs. It is so freaking damn good. Now, this thing has got an entire series behind it. It's very well loved in the sort of like true fantasy reading community. It's sort of a sort of a bit of a classic, modern classic. I love this novel with all my heart. I will probably at some point this year, I wouldn't be surprised if I read this again. Wouldn't be surprised. I'll get in the mood. I just there'll be a time I just get in a mood and I see it on my bookshelf and I go like, yeah. Yeah. Come on down. Let's get back into your your world. Let's get back into your world, uh, Locke, and we shall delve into your story once more. It's that amalgamation we said earlier, the character you fell in love with, the settings we fall in love with, and the tropes we fall in love with. An anti-hero, fantasy, Venice world. I love historical fiction. I've mentioned this a couple of times. It's sort of like a, it's a magical realism, historical fiction, if that makes sense. Because it really is just like a 17th century Venice, but magical and frankly you do that and i will gobble it up because i need it and so i can't put it any plain or simpler the lies like the more is probably for almost a decade now and i doubt until something really comes and absolutely knocks my socks clean off will probably be my favorite book of all time forever so not to put <laughs> your book behind that, Emma, but I do happen to know you've got an absolute cracker. And we're talking about modern classics. This one definitely is going to become one at some point because this thing has blown up the book verse, the Twitter verse, book talk. Everyone freaking loves this. Tell us why you love it. I would completely agree with that. I would even go further to say that it is already a modern classic just because of how much it has, like you say, exploded and how much it means to so many people. And it is the beautiful graphic novel Heartstopper by Alice Oseman. And I am, again, very, very lucky uh, to have been lent uh, volume one and volume two uh, by my course mate, Alex Hurst. So shout out to him. Um, and it's just, I'd heard a lot about it and I hadn't read a graphic novel in a long time. And it's it's all in black and white, but it's just so well done. And I think the message behind it is obviously extremely important. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, spoiler alert, one of the characters in the book is gay and the other character realizes that he is bi by the end of the first, uh, I say, book volume. And just the the way that it's written in how he kind of recognizes these feelings like he meets this boy and he's like oh he's cool like I'll be friends with him they hang out loads they really enjoy each other's company and then at a certain point you kind of see that when he's like oh oh maybe this could be more and as somebody who's had that experience it's the way it's portrayed is so realistic the the kind of there's a a few pages where he's googling am I gay how to tell if you're gay and it it honestly had me laughing out loud because I I just thought to myself oh my god the googling it's so real everyone does it and so many people who are part of the LGBTQIA plus community who have gone through this realization themselves the googling and the quizzes is such like I cannot even explain the extent to which it is a thing um so seeing that in here just it was one of those things that I just made me feel like it was really, really done justice to an experience that 
is kind of unique to each individual in their own way, but then is also very, there are so many things that that you all experience kind of at different times. And it's beautifully done. Um, from what I understand of Alice Oseman, she's very um, active on Twitter. She engages a lot with fans. I think it came out as like a web series or like a serialized version and it was released kind of bit by bit. I'm not entirely sure. If that's wrong, please correct me. We would love to hear how it was done properly. But yeah, again, and funnily enough, it is a book about love because it is romance, graphic novel, but is it is a lot more than that as well. So I will stop babbling about that, but this is this is the one that I'm currently loving. Um, so I finished volume one. As I said, my friend Alex has been very kind uh, to lend me their copies of volume one and two. So I'm about to devour volume two. I mean, I think I've read volume one probably in about 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of them. It was one of them. I tore through it, but not actually tore because we do not bend the spines of our books. Or that's that's what I was told by Alex. I was not allowed to bend the spine. And I completely <laughs> agree with that wisdom. So I've read it on my desk with intrinsic <laughs> care. And I checked the spine every two seconds to make sure that it was still intact. Yeah, of course you do. You gotta look after other people's things. We we stand for uh, treating people's books with utmost care, as we should, as we should. I mean, fair play. If you want to dog your ear and doodle and all sorts in your own copies, you go right ahead. Whatever helps your reading experience. When it's someone else's, just take a moment and think about it. What would they like? It is a prized possession. Respect your books, people. Respect them. Sacramundo. And so yeah, it's definitely one of those things. I think it's probably going to like you say there's probably some people who will read that and see the same signs and symbols and feel seen and there's nothing more heartfelt than just feeling like oh crap like there's someone someone out there has felt what i felt someone's you know can i can feel my journey in this in this novel as you said i think about alex Ryder, the 14 year old version of you would have loved a kick-ass girl version of alex Ryder, but it wasn't written Hopefully someone's going to do it. Someone's going to be out there. And if there is a kick-ass version of Alex Ryder, but, you know, she's a badass woman, let's get this done. Let's get this done. Exactly. So uh, it's a case that they are some books that we have fallen in love with, we still love, we are loving currently. And really all books give us an opportunity to potentially find the next one we'll fall in love with. Because that's the brilliant thing is when you like pick up a series or a book, I know that Emma, you, as you mentioned earlier in the show, have absolutely loved some of the goodies we've been getting from publishers this this year. Absolutely some so stunners. So many goodies. Yeah. So many goodies. Absolutely. I had an absolute amazing one recently where we had uh, Cameron Battle and the Hidden Kingdoms. That was absolutely one that I absolutely loved. And we just had uh, Jamar on the show, which is coming out soon, if it's not already out. Again, working in the past and talking when you come out in the future, it's a bit weird. It really is. In podcast, we need a time turner. Time turner. Oh, I like that. We've brought ourselves back to the beginning of the show. Oh, we'll have to start all over again. Oh, my no. Oh, ah, no. What's happening? But no, we have come to the end. Uh, and it's been what an ending we're getting to because you know, what better thing than just spending basically an hour talking about books we love? Oh, oh such a hard life we live, Emma. I know. Oh, the only thing that would be better is if it was a full time paying job. But one day, one, one day. day, one day, absolutely, I'm sure. One day, 
oh that would be absolutely lovely wouldn't it just <laughs> does yeah does, does anybody out there want to sponsor us we are we are taking applications take it absolutely get in touch with us peeps but i mean one day you might actually get paid for for doing books emma's doing a, a master's in publishing just saying hint hint any uh any publishers listening hey you know emma's amazing she you'd love working with her hint hint nudge nudge wink wink so <laughs> and just so, to specify that is also a, a publishing and creative writing masters oh. so if we if we do need a female alex Ryder. I, I have I have a bit of spare time on my hands. I'm kidding. I have no free time. But you're a student. You have I no free time. time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, we are out of time. Oh, what a segue! I'm killing it tonight. Uh, so we all we have left to say is thank you very much for listening to our preamble ramble, uh, and then we hope you really enjoy it. Don't forget that you can find out tons more about us at our twitter that's at big kids book club all one long lovely words there you'll find a whole host of content we uh we're always up for a chat uh retweet uh we post competition posts there as well linking to our author interviews where you can win copies of books and join in our, our sort of cute little quizzy questions we also have a full website yes the big kids book club.com we have additional content an entire backlog history so i have might have mentioned i might have dropped a couple of hints that we have over 100 episodes for you to go and enjoy and, and like i said we've had episodes with like we're chatting to all win about rebel of the sands we've had chats to people like i mentioned about you know jamar about cameron battle like Hint, hint there. Uh, we have got so many episodes. There's definitely going to be someone out there we might have chatted to, your favourite author. You never know. Go and give it a quick investigation because I think if you love this, you'll love everything else we've done. I'm pretty sure you will. So that's all the time we have for this week. Emma, it's time to departé vous. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I must say I do miss Laura and Rab, but this to and fro has been rather enjoyable this evening. Absolutely. And we hope you've enjoyed it, our lovely listeners. And we will be back soon. But until next time, all I have to say for you is to take care, to stay safe, and most importantly, to keep on reading. <laughs>